Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. Big night tonight. It was the lottery. How are we feeling? Uh, it could have been better. Five was less than ideal, but the magic kept... Uh, I, I'm obviously looking at this way too biased from a magic perspective, but could have been worse, could have been better. I don't know. Like Number eight was keeping... Getting two picks was pretty much a blessing. Getting one of the worst case scenarios with their own pick was a curse. I don't know. There's there's worse outcomes that could have been had if you look at how the draft plays out. Five and eight isn't the worst thing. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, if you don't know, Richard's also a Magic fan. He's from Orlando. He was just on a TV station. Uh, is that right? For uh, in, in Orlando. So yeah. watch out, Mike Schmitz. Richard's coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I had to had to do some uh, not damage control, but you know, kind of warm the people of Orlando. That it's not not the worst thing to happen. Yeah. So so why don't we start there, uh, Orlando? If if everything kept chalk, Orlando would have picked, I believe, uh, third and eighth. Yep. Uh, the eighth pick coming from the Bulls. Um, so they dropped two spots, slightly unfortunate. Um, but you know, again, like, like you said, worse things could happen for them. Um, you still get two top eight picks. I know it's a lot of people talk about as a a four man draft. I include Kuminga in there. So to me, it's five. So I think Orlando gets that last player in kind of the, you know, right after K tier, and then, you know, they get their their choice of kind of the next level, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm with you. But it's a five person class, not a four person class. I do think um, I do think the fifth pick is kind of the swing. You know, some people I say four and a half person class where it's uh Kaminga, depending on how you feel on him, he's he makes it a four or five person class, like kinda like you said, but I don't know. I buy into him. I have him higher than Jalen Green. Huge hot there take. You go. I mean, but the, the thing that hurts for the magic is just that like if you get that top four pick, you have the coveted prizes like Jalen Suggs won't fail. He may not have as high of an upside as any of the other guys, but he has the highest floor. Um pure floor because Cade has really the highest floor. And then you miss out on Mobley and Green and Cade, which are the superstar swings. Right. Um, so obviously the big winners tonight, um, Detroit moving up uh, from two to one. Um, so they win the Cade sweepstakes. Um, we're going to do a, a, a lottery mock draft uh, after we kind of give our, our reactions. Um, but me personally, so I, w- I was sitting in the car. I had to, to drive down and, um, and pick something up from Target at the same time. Uh, and so I was listening on the radio, and I hear uh, I'm totally blanking on the assistant commissioner's name. Bart Tatum. Yes, thank you. I was I was listening to to Tatum announce the picks, and he's getting to four, three, and I'm like, when are you gonna say Houston? Say Houston. <laughs> and I let out a huge sigh of relief when uh, when Houston was picking second instead of first. I might have to remove you from being a Mavs draft in here because I was very against, I wanted Oklahoma city to keep that pick, get that pick so badly. Just let them fall into absolute worst case scenarios. The hater in me really came no, out. No, I'm with you. I, I'm saying once it was acknowledged that they were top four, I'm like, Oh, please say Houston with the fourth or the third. Gotcha. Or That makes I'll more sense. I thought you were really format one. I was like, no, 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 of course not. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so Cleveland at three. They move up two spots, um, ensuring that they get one of those four guys that we talked about. Um, And then Toronto moved up uh, the most of anyone. They moved up three spots uh, to number four. So, you know, there's kind of your one through four. Um, You know, what was kind of your takeaway from that? Yeah, I... (laughs) Cleveland is now in a really weird situation where they have one of two things. They better hope Houston weirdly buys themselves out of um, Evan Mobley, 
which won't happen, or they have to figure out their situation with the guards ASAP. Because I think they go Jalen Green uh, and swing for the fences because, you know, you take that over Suggs when you have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And I don't know. I, I think they have to swing for the fences, and it's, it makes not paying Sexton next year this much easier. All right. Um, we've already talked about Orlando at five. Um, and you briefly touched on Oklahoma City. They dropped out of the top four as well, picking six. So I know they're trying really hard to tank. Um, but that really hurts because that, again, takes you out of those possibly alpha guys and into more of the elite role player range. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some swings for the fences in that range. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like it's not as easy to see that. And it, and it makes it kind of discouraging to pick in that range. Right. Like Scotty Barnes could be a swing for the fence. He could also just be a role player. And especially Simmons this last weekend. I don't know if Scotty Barnes has exactly risen in terms of that. Granted, <laughs> I think they're much different players. And I think Scotty Barnes actually works on his jump shot, but still that mold isn't exactly hot right now. <laughs> right. Um, all right, Golden State gets Minnesota's pick. Uh, that pick was protected one to four, wasn't it? One to three. One to three. Okay, so there was a good chance Minnesota was going to drop out anyway. Um, so Golden State gets uh, pick seven and 14. Uh, so we'll pick for them twice here in this lottery mock draft. Uh, the rich are going to get richer. Did you say the Richards? Or, the, oh, the, well, oh, oh man, I heard, I heard my name and I was like, how did I get thrown into this? <laughs> threw Not me all of you, Richard. Come on. <laughs> Goes on TV once. <laughs> yeah. Now, now he's a big shot. <laughs> no, but I really do like what Golden State uh, has the opportunity to do. You know, now they have a lot of trade ammo. They have the ability really to simply get better and take two really solid role players like just. I know that I'm kind of spoiling this by keep saying names, but I mean, you look at their chance. They could take Moses Moody and Corey Kispert and walk away having two of the best rookies in the class. Yeah, and they, absolutely. And you pair that with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green and Steph Curry. Like that's, that's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if they sit pat and make those picks or if they do try to move them for another NBA ready veteran. I kind of like to see them just keep the picks and stockpile cheap talent. But I guess we'll see what they decide to do. Uh, Sacramento staying put at nine. Uh, I know that was kind of your, you know, you would like to see, like to have seen them win the lottery, but they stay put. Um, and then 10 through 14 stays the same. We, we won't talk about it too much. Uh, New Orleans, Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana. And then, like we said, Golden State. Actually, one one thing about those, I think it was Swin Cash was representing the Pelicans, and her reaction on TV was absolutely incredible. They panned to her, like, because, you know, they had all 14 or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, all 14 um, Zoom representatives, and they panned to Swin Cash, and she just lets out this, like, damn, like, and you see her just, no, like, visibly pissed. It was actually really good TV. <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of like the Dallas Stars this year. I think they had, like, like a 1% chance to, to win the lottery. They were, they were like 13 or something like that, 14. And uh, it pans over to their GM, uh, Jim Nill, uh, when, uh, you know, when they announce it's the stars and he just kind of like throws his headphones and closes the laptop. And it's like, did you really expect to win? Like what? Delusion. I mean, a, when you trick yourself into saying like, this is it, you know, getting that winning mindset, it can, can set off some weird reactions <laughs> for sure um okay so why don't we do this mock draft full disclosure this is not prepared this is totally off the cuff um i know you've been doing some research on all this i still don't really know what every team needs so i'm doing this totally off the brain um we'll have a more organized full first round mock draft probably in the next few weeks um but for now, we're just going to go 1 to 14, just the lottery teams, uh, until the um, probably until the end of the playoffs, and then we'll release a full first-round mock. Um, so we uh, Richard decided to take the evens. 
So that gives me the first pick with Detroit. Um, Detroit fans get used to seeing Cade Cunningham. Um, we've talked about Cade from the get-go. He's, um, you know, he, he was wire-to-wire first overall pick material. Um, and again, Detroit's building like a really nice foundation of young pieces, but they've been lacking that alpha dog. And I think Cade can come in and be that alpha dog for them. Uh, six, seven point guard. Um, I think he and Killian Hayes could make a really, really interesting backcourt where both guys are capable of playing on or off the ball. They're both really long. I think they both play pretty good defense. Um, so I, I think that could be a, a really intriguing backcourt for years to come. You've obviously got Sadiq Bey, who had a nice rookie season, Isaiah Stewart. So um, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a Pistons fan. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, you know, I wouldn't say they really have much of a core. They have some role players there, depending on what they do with Jeremy Grant, you know, things like that. But it is definitely a team that is in stage still one or zero in terms of getting that star. Killian Hayes probably won't be the star. No, it's premature, but I just personally, I don't see the star power in him. Um, but, you know, it is nice having Caden. This is a no-brainer. Cade's always been the lock to go number one. I've always said Cade is going to go number one. This is probably since October, but he may not be the number one player in the draft. It's okay to not have him number one on your board. It's hard to see him not being number one just based on what we know now, but weird stuff happens and it's usually someone else leapfrogs. So um, Cade's a no-brainer, really not even worth a discussion for anyone else. All right, so what's Houston doing at two? Yeah, this is also a no-brainer where I think there's just – I don't know if you disagree with me or not, but I think one in two, the number one and two players in this draft are just in a tier of their own for me. And I go Evan Mobley to Houston. You know, people have said, what about Christian Wood? You don't build around Christian Wood. Uh, that's the answer to that is you make it work short term, but long term, who are you signing to their next contract first? Like, or not first, but who are you prioritizing to get a next contract? Evan Mobley or Christian Wood? And if you say Christian Wood, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's really the only thing. Like, so it, it's a no-brainer. You go Evan Mobley. You have a cornerstone, potential unicorn. You can play. I think he can play both four and five, create a little bit for himself, really protect the rim. Just does everything you want in a modern big man. Well, I think they should take BJ Boston at number two. Uh, <laughs> Top recruit. Yeah, high-level recruit, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> six eight, six seven. Yeah, good wingspan. No. Um, I think I think a case could be made for Jalen Suggs just just because it's a point guard driven league at this point. And if you have an opportunity to like if you really, really like Jalen Suggs and I go back and forth, uh, I think Suggs is in the same tier as Mobley. Um, so I go back and forth right now. I do have Suggs ahead of Mobley. I have Suggs to Mobley three. But I also understand that finding Evan Mobley like like that archetype is incredibly rare incredibly unique and while I do say it's a point guard driven league look at the teams that are making it far in the playoffs like they all have really quality big men like you could argue Giannis is both um but you know the Sixers did really well around Joel Embiid um DeAndre Ayton obviously doing really well in Phoenix um the you know the Jazz with Rudy Gobert made made a pretty decent run at it. Um, you know you have Jokic just won the MVP, um, so I definitely That's see cool. why why you would lean Evan Mobley over Suggs. Um, but I do think if there's another pick, it would be Suggs just because of the you know ability to to run point. See, it's actually interesting, and uh, and personally also this kind of goes with the same thing I said about Cade. I don't think there's really any chance. Anybody but Mobley goes number two. Um, but I actually thought you were going to say someone different. And uh, actually, before I get to that, I was just going to say Jalen Suggs actually used to be my number two. And the difference of a prospect is like in their tier is so small. Like Suggs was my number two guy for a while. It's just what you said. That archetype is what pushes Mobley over the top. In a vacuum, I actually do think Suggs is the better player. But it's just when you put what they both do and make it a seven footer with crazy length it becomes Evan Mobley's turn. I, I thought you were going to say Jalen Green because star power, even though I have him six on my board. 
Yeah, I think that's reasonable too. So I assume I know who you're getting at number three. Yeah, I am going to go Jalen Suggs. Um, And I know a lot of people would take Jalen Green here, and I don't fault them for that. I just think when you have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, well, I think first of all, ideally you would you would take a wing here, but I'm not going to reach on a wing. You know, Jalen Green is kind of a guard wing hybrid ish. Um, but I like in a perfect world for Cleveland, Jonathan Kuminga would have like separated himself as, you know, being legitimately part of that tier, and that's probably your guy. Um, but with the guards you have, I think they're scoring guards first, Garland and Sexton. And I don't think Sexton is long for Cleveland. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded this offseason. Um, but whether he does or not, bringing in somebody who is a legitimate floor general, knows how to run the offense, yet can also play a little bit of off ball um, where, where in situations when you want Darius Garland to have the ball because there are those situations, um, he can do that as well. Uh, I thought at Gonzaga he showed he could be very, very versatile in the backcourt. Um, we've seen him show up in huge moments. Um, so for me, I'm going to go Jalen Suggs at number three. Yeah, it makes uh, paying Sexton that choice a lot easier. But you didn't say one buzzword, and I'm really disappointed in you. You didn't tell me about, you know, Jalen Suggs playing a football position. Uh, oh. Quarterback. So I don't know if that's a real analysis anymore if you didn't say quarterback. No, I like yeah. the pick, though. And, and it really – and if you move Sexton, which I think they ultimately will, not still on the fence that they should or not, but it gets them out of paying him. You know, you get the perfect backcourt partner, backcourt partner for – Darius Garland like I think he really compliments him in just so many ways so I like that pick okay so how about Toronto at four man you know I have Jalen Green at six but where whoever Toronto takes is gonna just skyrocket I think a big board like I I think my big board would change if I saw Toronto drafted Jalen Green so that's who I'm going I would move Jalen Green up to top I mean I, I would consider him at three at that point like for me, the whole situation as to why I'm low on him is I don't buy his defense, which, to be fair, is a small value holder for me. It's like, I don't know, guards don't play defense. Eh, Trey Young doesn't play defense. I'm not like I'm not going to say I wouldn't take Trey Young, you know? Like, people did that, and I thought that was outlandish. But um, you look at Jalen Green, I think he needs to develop his ball handling. Toronto is the place for it. That's what has been holding me back. I don't buy his handle as of now. I think he needs a lot of work on that. It's just in terms of looseness and handling it in traffic he really needs work in that area and i think toronto is probably the place to solve that so i like that it's a star upside pick they needed that star backcourt player with kyle lowry's likely departure so that's where i go and he's a good pairing next to og and you know i think it's a good fit on the wings all right uh i i again like the fit there it's probably who i would take um I think Toronto would be happy to have either Jalen Suggs or green, um, you know, especially with, you know, might lose Kyle Lowry. You can add a little bit of size to the backcourt with Fred Van Vliet. Uh, number five. So I have the first Orlando pick. So hopefully you approve. I'm taking Jonathan Kuminga here. Um, we've talked about, he's kind of the fifth guy, maybe in a bit of a tier of his own. Um, if you don't necessarily think he belongs with the Jalen's, um, but I think he's tailor made for what Orlando is doing. Um, I think Orlando would have been kind of if they got a top three pick and and Mobley wasn't an option. I think they would have been kind of pigeonholed into taking a guard when that's not necessarily their biggest need. I like Cole Anthony. Uh, Markel Fultz is starting to come into his own, even if he's not the prospect we all expected him to be. Um. You know, hopefully Jonathan Isaac gets healthy um, and, you know, you got a pair of big men um, that that are promising. Um, so you slide Kuminga in as that jumbo wing forward, you know, similar in kind of stature to Jonathan Isaac, just, you know, bulkier. Um, but the difference being, you know, he can score. Um and he's not going to give you the level of defense of Jonathan Isaac. Not many people do, but the defensive tools are huge, right? And obviously Steve Clifford's not there anymore. 
Um, but depending on who the next head coach is in Orlando, if it's another defensive minded coach, you could, you know, really bring out the best in Kuminga defensively. I think you could have a, a legitimate two way star depending on how his jumper develops. Yeah. And, and I do think the Orlando front office <clears throat> has made a heavy priority to, you know, focus on defense. So I think, I think that it really helps. You know, Kaminga is going to be a good defender in Orlando, especially. That's that's probably his best defensive outcome, I would argue, maybe Toronto. But you look at someone, like you said, the jumbo creator, even if he is six, only 6'7", six, he plays so much bigger. The wingspan is 100% 7 foot. Even if that's not ever going to come out, I really do believe that. And then also, his jump shot form isn't broken. I think that's one of the biggest myths out there is that he can't shoot because he shot 25% in the G League and 67% from the line, which... I get it. Like numbers never lie, but he's also very far from a finished product. Like he has such a long way to go. And this is an excellent chance for Orlando to rebuild their reputation as a non-developing team. So I would love Kaminga in Orlando. That's part of step one of my dream. I'll complete it. Hopefully barring you stealing a pick at pick seven, I'll be able to complete the dream. I'm just going to apologize in advance. I can't even say it with a straight face. I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm going to take him. Really? You're you're just going to do that to me? Let's let you pick for Oklahoma City at six first. You know, I didn't prepare about this. I was so prepared to praise you. And then you just apparently stabbed me in the back like this. Um, yes. I... <laughs> Man, I, I want to take Book Knight here. Not not out of spite, but like I actually think that might be one of the better fits because I have him fifth on my board. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a nice guy. And uh, I'm going to take Scotty Barnes. You know, going off of kind of what I was just saying about how Orlando or, you know, teams need – or excuse me, Toronto is like the perfect spot for some guys. And Kaminga could be a really good spot. I think Oklahoma City is one of the better developing teams too. And if you put Scotty Barnes – in Oklahoma City, where he can potentially learn to shoot. Like, I mean, they've made guys who can't shoot really useful. He can play one through five on the defensive end in some lineups. You really could see him being that star next to SGA. And, you know, in the combine today, he measured out almost identical wingspan and um, standing reach as to Charles Bassey, a center. So, you love the versatility. He has guard skills. I think he can play, run the point some. Um, you know, I, I don't really think a guy who just got played off like Ben Simmons, uh, someone in that archetype has a ton of value right now where they'd actually go six. And I think it might scare teams off of Scotty Barnes, which is not his fault because Scotty Barnes actually works. So I would go with Scotty Barnes at Oklahoma City. Not really something I think a ton about. It's just you know, that team has four first or three first round picks and like six overall. Yeah, I think I think Scotty um, is a good fit there. And just kind of in regards to what you were saying about the the Ben Simmons, you know, thing, uh, it's it's tough and it could hurt his stock. But I, I think the expectation level is also different, right? Like. Philadelphia expects Ben Simmons to be their second best scorer. Even if you're taking Scotty Barnes at number six, I think you're doing so with the the knowledge that he's not a high level scorer. Yes. That he's a tremendous facilitator, especially as a secondary ball handler. Uh, put him at like the four and let him short roll and distribute from the high post. Um, pretty good finisher around the rim, but it's going to mostly have to come off of cuts, even though he is a good ball handler because he can't shoot. You know, the one-on-one is going to, you know, defenders are going to are, know what he's going to try to do. And then the defense, uh, legitimate one through five versatility. Um, that's what you're bringing him in for being more of like an ultimate glue guy um, and, and kind of setting it up for him to be the third player um knowing that you know you still need to go find your alpha later down the line and lucky for oklahoma city they own like 70 percent of the draft capital over the next six years or whatever obviously i'm exaggerating but um, <laughs> but yeah i like that pick yeah I, I appreciate it so go ahead and, and break my heart on on air 
So it is. I'm gonna go James Bugnight to Golden State. How could State. you do this to me? How could you do this, man? You're on. riding on too big of a high. I need to bring you down. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing this for two reasons. I'm doing this for two reasons. The lesser reason is anything can happen in a draft, and I think it's good to prepare for different situations. Um, so in a perfect, Richard told me before the podcast, in a perfect world. Uh, for Orlando, he would like Jonathan Kuminga at five and James Book Knight at eight. Um, and I'm not strictly taking Book Knight because Richard wanted him here, and I'm just like, ha. Huh? I actually think it's a good fit. And the two players I was debating between were Book Knight and Moses Moody. And I was on um, the uh, I was on a Pacers podcast. Um, I don't know if the episode's been released yet, so I won't spoil too much of that um but we we talked about comparing book night and moody a little bit um and i said well if you want the legitimate three and d archetype moody is your guy if you want a guy with a little bit higher ceiling who can create on his own you would want book night um i think Golden State was obviously tremendous even before they got Kevin Durant. Um, and maybe Book Knight isn't the best fit be- because he he might be a bit of a ball stopper at times. But um, with Clay Thompson coming back, I think Moses Moody gives you something similar. And I'm not saying having multiple guys who can do that is a bad thing. I'm just saying they kind of struggle to create on their own outside of Steph. And so I think bringing somebody else in, especially somebody who can do that with the second unit um, is going to be very valuable. And obviously as Steph continues to get older, you can kind of shift the focus of the offense more towards book night as he grows into his NBA game. So that's the reason I'm going with James book night here at number seven. Your teacher in you is showing, trying to teach me a lesson to overcome <laughs> adversity. No, I like the pick. You know, I'm never opposed to Book Knight going higher than where he should. So I like the pick. All right. So, sorry, not Chicago. Orlando, I'm reading uh, off tank. That, been, that was Chicago. the icing on the cake. That was just flat out rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go uh, with my plan B here. Um I'm going to take Moses Moody. I think he's he fits pretty well with uh, – I know that's technically two wings, two front court players to an extent, but you get the shooting that he offers right. You also get some really sound defense and a guy who just simply sticks. You saw how successful Evan Fournier was as a player in Orlando, and I think you get someone who can just replace his in- output pretty quickly into his career. High floor, I don't think it's going to be year one or anything, but you look at the shooting. For years, Fournier was the only shooter – Hopefully this front office learns and surrounds their core with shooters in this new era. And it starts with Moses Moody. Yeah, I think that's uh, a really nice pick. Um, You know, again, somebody that I considered at number seven. So uh, I don't think you can really go wrong there. Um, I'm kind of at a crossroads here with Sacramento. And I'm really not sure what to do. I actually, um, well, I took away Moses Moody. That was the hardest one. I actually really like what the options Sacramento has and ultimately think they're going to trade down. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of decent options for them. I just don't know if I see a slam dunk, no pun intended. Um, and maybe I'm missing something. But obviously you got you got De'Aaron Fox there. You got... Tyrese Halliburton there, Buddy Healed for now. Um, we'll see what happens with Rashawn Holmes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna reach a little here because I don't I don't think Davion is a tremendous fit here because I. I don't know. I just don't know about that. In general, than I think everybody else. What's that? We're also lower on Mitchell than most, I would say. Well, I have him at nine. Like, he's the next guy on my board. Statement. 
so so my, my board here looks like Davion Mitchell, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, Corey Kispert, Alperin, Sangoon, Franz Wagner. And I'm really tempted to go with Sangoon, not knowing what the future of Rashawn Holmes looks like at this point. Um, that's who I would take for whatever that's worth. Not because I not because I want someone else at ten, but I mean like I, I genuinely think taking the most productive post European young player, uh, post minded I should say, in Sacramento would work out really well. Fits all their needs. Yeah, I, I think I like him over the other post options here. Um, I don't like Mitchell and Keon enough to really separate them from Sangoon, so that's what I'm going to go with here. You kind of taught me into it a little bit. I'm going to go with Alper and Sangoon. Well, I'm glad I could peer pressure you. Yeah, I mean, I don't. How, how much have you like? Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but have you seen a lot of him? Because I, I personally, like, I don't. I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but like, I can speak a good amount to him. I don't know how much you've seen depth or anything, but what made you like sell like outside of what I said, what puts him on the radar for you for their for them? Um, so like you said, tremendous um scoring ability. Uh I'll go ahead and pull up what I wrote about him actually. Um if I can Okay. I uh, said, arguably the best post footwork in the draft, excellent hands, NBA ready offensively. To finish with either hand, functional handle, good finisher. Um, he stretched the jumper out a little bit, but but it's projectable at this point. Good free throw shooter. He can distribute out of the high and low post, high basketball IQ. Um, you know, the concern is defensively. Um, but if you can kind of not build around him but build a similar offense to what Denver's done where you have high level guard play and then obviously everything kind of centers around Jokic but you still have you know your Jamal Murray and and you know I know Porter's a forward but like that scoring wing type of uh, player um, you know I think you could do something there yeah and I mean the way I look at him is like the the pitch I give is imagine if Luca Garza was lighter, more athletic, and younger. Um, and that's who you get is Alperin Shingun because he he has a quick handle. He has an inside out move, which you don't really see for post players, and he does that on the perimeter. Like you said, jump shots there. And I mean, dude, he, he just scores. Like at some point, the production in Europe, like it translates. I, I I just I can't see like even if he's just a bench player, like you look at how guys, especially like under Rick Carlisle, right? Like we've been spoiled. We see these big men who in limited bursts can just get six points like easy. Like we saw Boban do it in times. We saw Brandon Wright do it from much of the 2010. Those guys have places in the league. And even if you're taking that in nine, that's probably your worst case scenario with something like, something like that. So right. I, I like the pick. All right. So New Orleans. New Orleans is a hard one. I'm actually going to go a little bit against my gut on this. I think I – I think I'm going to go with Kai Jones. You know, obviously it's a little bit hard to say you're going to take a front court player when you have Steven Adams locked up forever. It feels like in a lot of money in Zion Williamson and Jackson Hayes is there. Um, but the truth of the matter is at this point, you want one of two things, either Jackson Hayes becomes expendable and he becomes good enough where you can just trade him. And that creates room for Kai Jones. If he's coming along well enough or Kai Jones holds his value as like a neutral asset at least and can be traded in the future. New Orleans with Zion, I think is a really good fit because you can crowd the paint in with Zion, force him in the paint while keeping Kai Jones on the perimeter. He does that really unique, you know, we've talked about him ad nauseum at this point. He can shoot jab step threes. He can guard one through five, sit in a stance. Defensive IQ, I think needs to come along, but in terms of physical skill set, with, in terms of a raw player, it doesn't get much better than him and they can afford a swing for the fence here. So if you want to get him, I, I think he has a better chance at hitting his ceiling at this point than Jackson Hayes. That's my logic for it. You know, I'm a big Kai Jones fan and I, I'm a 16. So, you know, it's even a little high for me, but um, I really like the player and I really like the rationale. And I think it's a good fit with a guy like Zion Williamson, a guy who might be able to, to stretch the floor a little bit, um, who can protect the paint but can also be switchable 
Um, and with that Pelicans team to have a really switchable big man when Steven Adams is off the floor uh, creates a lot of defensive versatility. Um, and I think when Adams is off the floor, you do still need somebody to step up on the defensive end of the floor. And Hayes just hasn't really done that yet. Yeah. And obviously he was raw too coming into the league. So it's impatient to like dismiss him. But I mean, at some point, whether we want it to be true or not, the clock is ticking, you know? So right. I, I do think uh, Kai Jones helps accelerate that clock and makes it easy so that if the clock ticks and they failed, eh, they have another chance. Um, so it's back to me with Charlotte, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, I think here I'm going to go with Keon Johnson, um, who I think I said was a top 10 player on my board. Yes. Number 10 on my board. Um, just adding another defender, uh, kind of on the perimeter, um, and, you know, can can maybe guard up a little bit to, to threes as well. Um, when you have, you know, uh, LaMelo and Terry Rozier and Don, uh, Devontae Graham, excuse me. Um, I just think adding another perimeter defender um, to, to that lineup would help quite a bit. I also think he's tremendous in transition. We know LaMelo loves to push the ball and look for guys in transition. Um, I think Keon Johnson will be able to get a few just kind of gimme baskets, uh, you know, maybe per game uh, just off that alone. Um, the shot is still developing, uh, but I believe in it that that he'll be at least an average shooter long term. So, again, someone else who could help space the floor. I think in a perfect world, Charlotte would love for Moses Moody to be here, but I just don't see a realistic scenario of him getting outside the top 10. So Keon Johnson um, is probably one of the best upside swings that Charlotte could get in this situation. I'm a little bit surprised <laughs> Josh Giddy personally, uh, which I'm glad I'm not like disappointed, but I, I do like Keon. I think we're both a little bit higher on Keon than Jaden Springer, each of us. And I, I just generally think he's a good fit next to Lamella ball makes up for the defensive end, you know, defensive losses. I, I like the pick. All right. So San Antonio at 12, where are we going? Yeah, so uh, my team needs for San Antonio were front court depth shooters and off ball movers. And funny enough, there's this guy who fits perfectly all three of those needs, and his name is Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Get him some shooters, surround Dejounte Murray a little bit better, surround you know Derek White, whoever you want to name in that core. Get them shooters and guys who move off ball and are creating mismatches. It's a perfect guy for Greg Popovich and his final year, years, something like that to really get a lot out of. So I, I'm a big fan of uh, Kispert in San Antonio. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, the the fit makes sense there. Um, he does seem kind of like a pop guy. Um, best shooter in the draft. Um, so So that makes sense to me. Um, for Indiana, there's two directions I want to go, and I can't decide which one. And I'm between Davion Mitchell and Franz Wagner. I chose. Um, I, I had to choose between Franz and Kispert at 12. It, it depends yeah. on what you want for them. I mean, if it helps, I can read you my team needs for Indiana. Um, I have them needing defense, a forward if you're going positionally, and then a shooter. So. Potentially a three and D. And actually, there's a guy who fits all three of those. <laughs> well, I think they both fit all three of those. I think they're both really capable defenders. Um, but I do think Davion Mitchell is a better defender. Uh, despite his size, um, I think he's strong. I think he's an absolute bulldog. Um, and I think he he can really make life difficult for opposing guards. So I'm going to go Davion Mitchell here. Wow. Um, I think he can shoot. I uh, do buy that shot. Um, there's really, I, I don't really see anything mechanically wrong with it. I, I just can't quite figure out why he can't shoot free throws. Um, but that aside, um, it just gives them another creative playmaker, um, you know, aside from Brogdon. Um, again, great defense. I like the shooting. Um I think Franz would make a lot of sense here, but I have Davion Mitchell higher on my board. Um, so when they both potentially fit, I'm I'm going to take the higher player. 
Yeah, and Mitchell's a good fit there, too. I mean, like you said, they need – or sorry, like I had indicated, they need defense, and he fits those. You know, defense and shooting. Free throws are weird. I don't personally think the free throws are an indicator that he can't shoot. I think it's just probably mental, if anything. Like, I, I would love to know what the reasoning is one day, but um, I, I do like that it next to Brogdon. It's a good fit. My only question is, can either of them be a lead guard? And that's kind of a concern I would have. Um, also would have considered Giddy here to an extent, even though I'm low on him. Uh, I'm not taking Giddy, though, to round out the lottery with Golden State. So don't don't worry. You're not going to – if you're Giddy for Giddy, I am terribly sorry, but not going him. So uh, <laughs> so if you don't mind that transition into the 14th pick, I'm just going to take the best player available at this point. Um, even though he's not, I guess, technically best player available on my board, I think that goes to Usman Garuba um, currently. I I think the guy, if he didn't have, like, I have some concerns with his game, but if he didn't have the off-court concerns, Jalen Johnson would have been gone by now. I'm going to just swing for the fences at the end of the lottery and just go Jalen Johnson out of Duke. You know, I have concerns about his jump shooting. He shoots on the way down. That's a big worry for me. Um, but, you know, at, at some point, talent, he's so talented, and, like, that's what this league is about. It's just... What can you do? And I'm sure he'll find something. If he answers the off-court concerns at, uh, you know, well in the combine that's going on right now, I think Jalen Johnson and Golden State could be a good value play. Yeah, he's a tremendous talent, and that would be a case of a super, super talented team just taking a gamble on a guy who um, could develop into an absolute stud for them. Um, so... Uh, I don't mind the pick at all. And it just goes to show you how deep this draft is, because again, we kind of threw this together. Um, obviously we've done our research on the players. Richard's done his research on the teams. I, I haven't yet, um, which is why I was a little scatterbrained here. Um, but you still see some players and it's like, man, how did they get out of the lottery? You mentioned Josh Giddy multiple times. I mentioned Franz Wagner, uh, as did you. Uh, I think Jaden Springer's a, a player who deserves to go in the lottery. Um, Garuba. you know, yeah, Garuba's got a chance to go lottery. So, um, a lot of talent from, you know, all the way down into the, 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 the teens and twenties. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see how it all plays out. Um, we'll get a little more info here with, um, with the combine. And then, uh, like I mentioned, we'll have more mock drafts uh, later on, maybe with guests uh, to help make those picks as well. Um, any last words on the lottery mock before we answer literally just a couple of questions? No, I, I had fun with it. I can't wait to do a uh, full mock draft. All right. So um, let's take a look. Frankie asked us three questions, but, but I think two were serious. One of them was about Michael Beasley because of course it was, um, but actually, you know what? Let's answer the question. I thought that was a serious question. Where would Michael, well, you just don't know Frankie's obsession with Michael Beasley. Uh, but he asked, where would, where would Michael Beasley go in this draft if he were coming out of Kansas state? I do think it's a good question because he was uber talented out of college i thought he should have been the first pick in that draft over derrick rose to be totally honest with you i was totally wrong about it but i, I thought his <laughs> skill set was super unique um but i would imagine personally he's probably in the suggs mobley green tier yeah i was thinking so i don't really remember him a ton as a prospect but I do remember him being like the clear cut number two pick. So I would in high, I mean, yeah, like you said, that tier, I would, I would say probably three or four is where I was going to say, uh, I don't really know about two. I think Mobley's probably no. I mean, also I did a lot more research on Mobley. So it's hard to say. I would say two through four though. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pull up his, his stats from, and I know we're, we're box score scouting here. But Michael Beasley at Kansas State was unguardable. 26 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block and a half. I mean, he was he was absurdly good. Yeah. Yeah, and freak athlete. 
Yeah. Um, Frankie loves telling the story of, um, I think he saw him at uh, Oak Hill and they ran a, a, a tip play, which resulted in him throwing down an alley-oop like five seconds into the game. And he was like, yeah, it's over. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, uh, we'll hit Frankie's other two questions. He says, who are the top five biggest post NCAA tourney run risers uh, since you've been following the draft? And he says he feels like that's happening to Davion Mitchell. And he, that's got to be one of them. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts in almost ends with Davion Mitchell. Johnny Juzang ranked brand from like rising to undrafted free agent territory, like a, you know, 80 to 60 to like maybe 70 to 50. And so that's one. Uh, Jared Butler definitely didn't do himself any harm. Obviously, today he came down with the news that his heart condition, it seems, is uh, plaguing him still. So that actually kind of negated it. But I think those are two guys or three guys, excuse me, that probably made the biggest jump I mean there really weren't a ton of other guys right like maybe Duarte to an extent because I mean they made what the sweet 16 but yeah I'm having trouble I'm having trouble in my mind separating the guys who like have risen recently but it wasn't because of the tournament right Um, like Giddy is a prime example then he wasn't in the NCAA right um yeah um I think you probably nailed it. I mean, because I feel like a lot of the guys, like like it was all the Baylor guys and all the Gonzaga guys, and then it was even like then that, though, even then that, though, like Loyola guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, did Santi or God wrong? That's not even the right Loyola. First of all, did Corey Kispert really even raise his stock? Like Suggs. What I mean, like Suggs was in the conversation all year, though, to be the second pick. I don't really think anything changed for them. It literally was the Baylor guys because right. they just didn't have the the target on their back. Yeah. Um. So hopefully that answers the question. Um. Oh, and one of the other risers, Michael Beasley. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, he has a question about Scotty Barnes. He asks if he's a slightly more athletic Kyle Anderson, a big guard who can't really play guard. Well, I, mean, I think, first of all, he's significantly more athletic than Kyle Anderson. Yeah, yeah. To say more athletic version would just put, be saying, like, hey, is he a mild athlete? <laughs> yeah. And and he's more than that. So, yeah, I don't think he – I mean, it's easy to say, like, any point forward is Kyle Anderson. I just don't think he is. He, he has a blend of so many guys and – like honestly so many roles more than guys like he can play one through four at times on offense i would say you know well, he can i run. think he can play one or four this is true yeah i guess you're, you're not a, you're not putting things. him at two yeah you're not putting him at off ball i guess i mean just more like he can be your secondary guy so he can theoretically right. yeah one or four but defensively he 100 percent. like i said when i chose scotty barnes to oklahoma city he guards one through five, depending on the lineup. Like when the teams go small ball, you're putting Scotty Barnes at the five and you're fine with it. Like I just, I think he's a very unique player. He's one of those guys. I I mean, playmaking is probably his best skill, but he's, and some people will be quick to say, Oh, so he's Draymond, but he's not because he does something so much better than Draymond, which he can never do is slashing. Like I really buy his ability to get to the basket, long strides, athletic, good finisher, or at least potential to be a good finisher so it's just he's a blend of so many guys and he's honestly one of the more unique prospects i've seen in the last five years yeah i think he can play a little guard in some situations but in I mean, spots yeah I, I have him as a forward um i don't even have him as a guard um because i think the best way to use him is short roll him uh, you know get him the ball in the high post and let him go to work from there because he can distribute uh, at a really high level. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I am on Scotty. Yeah, he's a tough evaluation. And then uh, Washed Mavs blog, uh, good good friend of the podcast, asks, uh, <laughs> would you rather have the number one pick in this draft or LaMelo Ball if you were starting a franchise? Yeah. Cade, I think Mello's become overrated. Well, 
no offense. I, 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 in terms of it's not his, it's not anything. It's not like a knock against him. I've seen him. People say he's the next best player behind Zion and Luca under 25, and I just wholeheartedly disagree. I, I think he's really good, but people are getting a little bit carried away. Let's. I, I just, I don't know. I'd like to. It's hard to say what he can do with the team full of first options around him. I think some right now it's kind of looks better because he's had so much rain in the offense, which he will again. But again, I just. I think people are getting a little bit carried away. He was really good. Let's see how the scoring evolves. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I was higher on LaMelo coming out than you were. You had number one on my board. I would take Cade. And I might take Jalen Suggs, too. Um, I mean, I would take any of the top four over him, I would say. Or top three, top three. Sorry, not top four. I would take Mobley, too. I realized what I just said. Yeah, Mobley, Suggs, and... Kate are probably the three I would take over. LaMelo would be in, like, like I would really have to consider him at two, three, four. Like, he would fall there for me, but I, I do think Cade's in a league of his own. I think I, I, LaMelo's a better passer, but I think Cade does everything else better. I think he's a better defender. I think he's a better shooter. Uh, I think he's a better rebounder. Um He's more physically imposing, uh, better finisher. So for me, um, it's Kate Cunningham as much as I love the mellow ball, and I really did, and I still do. I still think he's going to be maybe a borderline all-star, um, but I think some would really have to go wrong for Kate to not be an all-star multiple times in his NBA career. Yeah. I mean, his floor is a pure starter in this league. Like, I just... I, I can't see a way he's worse than Lamelo Ball. Yeah, we're in agreement there. Um, all right, we didn't have very many questions today, but that's all right. We kind of threw this out at the last second. Um, anything else uh, before we say good night? No, I'm praying some good some good magic uh, comes Orlando's way uh, in the near future. Maybe someone slips out of the consensus top five. So it's possible. Um, all right. Well, in that case, uh, thank you all for listening. Go follow Richard at Mavs Draft. Check out the website, MavsDraft.com. You can find me at Jared underscore Cats 30. Um, I had a flurry of followers thanks to Richard's kind words the other day. So thank you for anybody new um, who for some reason decided to follow me. <laughs> um hopefully we'll have this episode out uh tomorrow morning which would be june 23rd but but we'll see how that goes um and if you like what you heard tell your friends leave a nice review uh five stars unless it's out of 10 then it would be 10 stars preferably uh but again thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time